Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDowell, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBV. And of course, you can follow our 24-7, 365 coverage of women's basketball over at High Post Hoops. And so I'm joined today by somebody I've written about, I've tweeted about, and is a figure, a major figure, I would argue, in women's college basketball and in the pro game to come down the line. And that's Charlie Collier. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Place I want to start, and I, I, I warned Charlie off the air. Listeners know this, that uh, I am a bit of a stats nerd about this stuff. Um, but Charlie's got the type of game that they are looking for at the WNBA level. And I know front offices already have her circled for when she decides uh, it's time to head to the pros. But let's just talk about them as a way of framing it for our listeners. In 2019-2020, despite being a 6'5 big, Charlie, you made 35.4% of your threes. You are north of 77% from the free throw line after 80% last year, which indicates that you have an opportunity to continue to grow that long-range game. I was interested when I was doing more research ahead of uh, us talking on the air that you and your dad were working on you having an inside-outside game from the start. And I'm wondering what your earliest memory is of doing that with him. When, when did you first decide, all right, I'm going to be this threat from everywhere on the floor? Oh, yeah. It was definitely an early age. I would say around – I started playing basketball around five, so – Ever since then, I didn't know anything about being a post or being a guard, so I was just, at that time, a basketball player. So my dad, especially, and my mom would bring me outside in the uh, front yard, and we would play basketball, just not even knowing what positions were. I was just shooting the ball, like, really well for my age, and I was dribbling well, and I just worked on that ever since. You know, my dad never was like, you're going to be just this one position, you know. He would tell me, like, a lot of coaches, like, versatility, and so me being versatile at a young age really helped me now because I can see both sides of the floor, you know. Mm-hmm. I can see what the post does. I can see what a guard does. But, you know, it was crazy to see that it's all coming into play. Um, it doesn't really happen how you want it. Like, at times, like, I remember my freshman year, I wasn't able to do all those things. Right. You know, it was just the timing of it. It's a maturity thing. And when you're young and you know how to do those things, it comes it comes about at the right times and this past season you, you saw my shot you mm-hmm. know i've always had a great shot but you guys are just now seeing it and you know the best is yet to come so i'm excited for for my season unfolds when you talk about modeling right so your mom was a a a, a college basketball player at southwestern she's 6 feet tall right yes so yes, yes. so what position did she play and how does your game uh, model after hers as well. He obviously, you had multiple basketball influences right in your immediate family. And I mean, it shows in the yeah. way your decision-making process evolved on the court. I mean, you talk about things you did better from freshman to sophomore year, but your turnover percentage, for instance, was upper fifth in the entire country as a sophomore yeah. with a lot of defensive attention wow. being put on you. So that's decision-making process. Can you take me through the role her game played in your own? Oh, yeah. So, I mean... Back in her time, um, six foot was a post player, you know. Right. You didn't see six foot, you know, guards or wings how you do now. So she was a post player. So, of course, she had the upper hand of teaching me how to be 
good in the post, footwork and things like that, and also shooting and ball handling. And so, you know, my dad did as well. So her doing that when she was in college really helped me because I was able to get a lot of, um, you know, information from her about, you know, what it takes to post and how to be strong and all those things. So growing up, I was really blessed to have parents that I do that can actually teach me parts of the game that they had when they were younger, you know, also my dad, you know, my dad was six, eight at that time, a six, eight is a guard. So he would be a guard, you know, so I got the guard side of it and I got the post side of it. So it was, it was great. You were set up. I mean, it's just interesting to me though. It, you hear about this all the time, the people who have a gift don't necessarily know right away because it's just like you said, oh, you know, we're out playing ball. You know, we're out doing this thing that feels very normal to me. I guess I wonder when you understood, well, I have a chance not just to play basketball and have fun with it, but a chance to do something big with it. Yeah, I would say I was around, it was around middle school where I realized, okay, wow, I can actually be really good at this sport. I can go collegiate. And I was possibly thinking pro at the time, mm-hmm. even at that young of an age. Like, I was thinking past college. And it was because of what I've been through. Like, being offered by Texas in middle school really gave me a confidence. Yeah. Getting the college letters. I remember being so excited to get letters in the mail from colleges. Uh, just playing AAU ball really helped me knowing that I could really make a difference in this game and that I can go far with it. Because at that time, I was mature you know, in all aspects. And I remember coaches telling me, you're going to be big, you know, you're going to do this. And I was tall too. I was like <laughs> six, three in middle school. I was like, you know, like this girl's going to be good. That's what everybody was saying. And, right. you know, it's all unfolding and I'm really blessed and grateful to have good people around me that can well, make me better. Everybody was right, clearly. And, and so when you think now, you know, coming to the end of your sophomore year, you had a year of real growth you can talk about being recruited and offered back in middle school. But so that's a long time with Karen Aston, and there's been this coaching change. And now Vic Schaefer, who obviously has uh, a tremendous uh, record over Mississippi State as well. When we talked to Vic earlier this week, you were the first name he mentioned. You know, you're yeah. the, the, where, where you start the building block. So I'm hoping you to take me through just... The, your conversation with Karen, what that was like, and your conversation with Vic as well. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the conversation with Karen, you know, we've always had a great bond. Like I said, she recruited me when I was in middle school and yeah. we had a bond ever since. So it was really tough knowing that she won't be my coach anymore, but, you know, she'll always be there for me. You know, if I call her and check up on her, she calls to check up on me. So mm-hmm. that bond is never lost. And it was, uh, it was devastating when I heard the news, but, you know, I'm really excited for Vic, knowing that he's a really successful coach. Um, he produces great WNBA players. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched his press conference, and he has a lot of accolades. Um, and I know he's just a great down-to-earth person and that he's willing to coach me and make me the best that I can be. And I, like you said, I talk to him, and he's really straightforward, and he knows what, what he wants as far as winning games. And we we both want the same thing. We both want to win a championship. Right. So, you know, and I know he's going to – he's going to win a lot of games with us and we're going to be a good good team with him so I'm really excited for what he has in developing me as Mm -hmm. a player overall he understands my versatility he knows I can shoot he knows I can dribble he knows I can do those things so you know we're going to win a lot of games with him and I'm excited 
It's interesting. Your game is almost a cross between the two best players he had at Mississippi State. And you think about Jerry McCowan, who was more of a project when she got there, and he has turned right. into an elite center. But you've got a lot of Victoria Vivians in your game, too. And so it's interesting to see sort of that combination uh, brought to bear on the game. I do think it's really interesting when you're talking about growing up and you're thinking about the pros and you're part of a generation that had that luxury. You know, the previous generation really didn't. The WNBA still being only 24 years old uh, coming up this season. And so who were the WNBA players you were watching growing up and, and do you see yourself as patterned after some players who are in the league right now? Oh, man, I... I can name a lot. So I mainly Candace Parker was my favorite person to watch. I mm-hmm. remember even my mom giving me a Candace Parker LA Sparks jersey. Like that was the person to watch. Yeah. Just how tall she was and how explosive she was and how emotional she was, like playing the game. Like you can tell she loves basketball and like her passion for the game. Just the way that she plays, she can shoot. She mm-hmm. can dribble, she can post up. She was a threat, you know. She was the person that they would double team, you know. So I would mainly just watch her game and be like, you know, like, you know, hey, mom, let's go outside. Let's do what Candace Parker does outside. Let's just work on these moves, you know. I would just try to be as skilled as she was watching her grow up. She I changed mean, the paradigm for bids. I mean, she really did. Yeah, she, she did. Yeah, she has Under changed Pat what Thomas, is possible. Yeah, that, yes, sir. It's, it's, it's really – it's – I don't think she gets enough credit for that. I think you talk yeah. about just outwardly talking about what Candace is doing and trying to replicate yeah. it. And Brianna Stewart and Elena Deladon, who not incidentally are the last two MVPs of this league, are following that mold that was set by Candace Parker as well. So that's that's really exactly. interesting to me. And and so Candace does something else that I know is interesting to you and something you're looking to, which is to combine being able to play with being able to broadcast. And I think yes. what's, what's notable about that to me is that Candace is doing it while still playing. And so when you yeah. think about sort of your path, do you think of it in those terms, in terms of I, I can be that basketball player and I can also broadcast later Candace, later Sinead, Wilmot is able to do with ESPN? Oh, most definitely. You know, that's my dream. That's my passion. You know, I want to go to the WBA. I want to play. I want to play overseas as well. But, you know, when I come back to the U.S., I want to broadcast, you know. I want to be an ESPN analyst. I want to just talk about sports and be like Candace Parker or Rebecca Lobo. I just I just want to be around sports. I love sports, and I love to talk, and I love to be in front of the camera. Well, you, you certainly will have ample opportunities to be able to do that, uh, both at Texas and beyond once you get to the W. But I think what also seems to matter is the way the WNBA's footprint has gotten bigger on the media side, the fact that uh, you've seen a significant change in the collective bargaining agreement and so that players are given the opportunity not just to earn a living playing in the WNBA, but to stick around, to stay stateside during the offseason and be true 12-month-a-year Americans, uh, which means if you're here, you're getting the opportunity to broadcast. You're getting the opportunity, uh, some players, to be assistant coaches uh, in in different areas. So, I just I wonder how much you followed how that came about, the, the, the new CBA, and have you thought about the fact that for you, for somebody who's entering the league 
two years from now. And, and, you know, forgive me for making it sound like an obvious thing, but look, it's a, it's a matter of when, not if, given the skills you bring to the table, you know, how much different that's going to be for you than even it was for Candace Parker coming out of school. Um, you're saying just like, how would it be different for me broadcasting? Just in every way. The fact that you didn't get, you're going to start with a higher starting salary. The fact that you're going to have the yeah. opportunity to, uh. to have marketing uh, agreements that were not yeah. available to players 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, that actually, raising that bar, it makes me more excited to be able to want to play in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. As far as I think a lot of girls would, you know. We see the the change happening, and people are listening to us and seeing the hard work that we put in. You know, we deserve to, you know, get paid more. And mm-hmm. so, seeing that, it makes more girls want to play in the WNBA. I remember growing up, um, AAU. A lot of girls just wanted to stop there. They're like, I don't want to go, and I want to do another profession. I want to be a doctor. You know, I want to make money. So, right. making money and playing a sport that you love, you know, that's a plus. So, I'm I'm really excited about that it makes me excited to want to go and play yeah it, it, it is a big deal i think it opens up a whole new universe and the, the wider we make that funnel the the better the game it gets as well because there are just there's just more talent staying with the game for longer but i want to talk about staying with the game which is that you've talked about a little bit the struggles you had freshman year which i would imagine for someone with your skills with your size at an early age that had to be the first time that you ran into competition that provided any kind of a pushback. And so there's two parts to it. One, I'm curious how you handled it on the court and the things you did to make yourself even better as a player. But what were you doing mentally to help yourself push back against that and grow and, and, and get even better as a person as well as a player? Yeah, you know, freshman year wasn't the greatest, but it had it had its highs and it had its lows. You know, I had a couple good games, but like you said, I was being thrown into the fire. Um, coming out of high school, being a player that was, you know, top prospect, all of those things, and coming and playing with girls that are either as good as me or it's better better than me. It's it's tough because it's kind of like I always tell people it's like starting over. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to prove yourself again. You have to show people again. You have to, you know, reassure yourself that you can do these things again. And it's always tough doing things twice, you know. And being, you know, how I was going into the University of Texas, it wasn't easy. I was playing the post at the time, and there were bigger girls than me. You know, I was playing against Big T. You know, we yeah. had a preseason game against Mississippi State, and I had to guard her, and it's like, it was a shock for me because I never played girls my height, you know, so to say, in high sure. school. Or I was always bigger than any, everyone. I was better than everybody. And I was the go-to person. And I, I wasn't the go-to person. So I had to adjust. And I had to become mentally stronger knowing that it will get better, you know, because you can easily quit. You know, a lot of freshmen quit and they transfer because yeah. it's not what they want. But – you know, college teaches you that you're not going to get what you want, but if you stay the course and you stick to the process, you'll eventually be better and, you know, grow into the system. And so that's what I did. I just trusted the process, and I knew that my following year, which was my sophomore year, was going to be way better because I worked on those things in the summer, the things that they weren't giving me. You know, they knew that I was a left drop step, right hand type of person. I had to switch that up because they, they knew my go-tos. I had to yeah. Get better with my left hand. I had to shoot better. I had to be more of a threat on defense. 
what did I that look like? What, what did your workouts look like in, in, in order to make those skills? Because they, they obviously manifested themselves on the court this year. Yeah. So I got in the weight room, got way stronger, uh, got quicker, got with my strength coach. Um, I was eating better already. I just ate better than I was. <laughs> what was the hardest uh, thing to got, give up? Uh, I would say fried food. I never was a soda drinker, so I don't drink soda, but giving up fried foods. But, you know, I started eating way better than I was, mm -hmm. drinking water. Um, I just knew that I wanted to be better. I just, I didn't like the fact that I didn't, I didn't get what I wanted. You know, I, I wanted to get what I wanted. And so I had to work on that on my own. Nobody was going to give it to me. You know, this life doesn't give you things. I got to work for it. So mm -hmm. that was my mindset. It's like, I got to, I got to do this on my own. I got to get better. And, and listeners, I want you to hear what the ramifications of that were. As a sophomore, as a sophomore big, this is no small thing that Charlie is yeah. top 100 defensive rebound rate in the country, top 100 total yeah. rebound rate in the country, top 35 in block rate, and you cut your foul rate from 7% to 4.5%. So you're doing all of this wow. while not making those mistakes, uh, not fouling, and your turnover rate, like I said, yeah. was, was upper fifth in the country as well. So the strength, did that lead to less reaching as a result of being stronger, of being more energized when you're out on the court? Like, how are you feeling that when you're doing that? I, I, can, I can see it from afar, but take me through what, it like, what it's like to feel that strength change. Yeah, um... I would say it was just me being more disciplined. You know, you talk about the fouls. When you foul, you're just late hmm. or you're just not patient. You know, mm -hmm. you're rushing. So when, you, when you're calm and you're disciplined and you, you see what the defense is giving you, what you're giving the offense, you don't foul. And so that, that came with maturity. I know a lot of freshmen foul, foul out the game. I know I, I probably fouled out the first five games of my freshman season just because it was so much faster. Like the game was so much quicker. Yeah, and I had to just that just came with maturity. You, you can't really teach that. You just have to be smart. You mm -hmm. know, you're smarter. You know, you learn from different players and learn how to move your feet quicker. I had to work on that in the summer, uh, not being slow. You know, be quicker. I just be there think already be there first. I, I you you can say it's just you work on it and you be quicker, but your your rate of improvement and rate of change, and you just th see that arc. Of development is just from from yeah. the outside just remarkable to see and so I guess I wonder what drives that you know we talked a little bit about your father and and I know he passed a few years ago and yeah I wonder how much you think that plays a part in driving you day to day how, how does remembering him and thinking about him play a part in the way you approach this just on a on a day-by-day -day basis yeah um i tell a lot of people this like he always used to tell me no one can stop you but yourself and i live by that day by day and he was super super competitive even we we would play in the driveway and he'd block my shot he you know he wouldn't let up on me so he was competitive and i got that dog mentality from him yeah. not giving up not stopping when people tell you you can't you know keep going so that that's what mainly what drove drove me my freshman year because I wasn't what's the word I wasn't satisfied I wasn't playing how I knew I could play so me having that in the back of my head like okay Charlie 
you got to go and you got to prove yourself again. You got to tell people, you know, you can't stop me but yourself. You know, even though it looked like my freshman year wasn't the best, I actually, it was good for me because I learned from it. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that, you know, he taught me those things and I just live by that day by day. And I had that competitive mentality from him, like just not stopping. I hear like right now, I'm about to work out when I get off the phone with you. <laughs> so is, I'm, I'm still, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Yeah. That that is excellent to hear, and 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 I'm curious about your your life at the moment. Because obviously, life is very different for everyone at the moment. Um, and yes. you, you've you've been proactive not only in obviously you know continuing to to work on on your game and on your body, but you've launched a fundraiser to help. Uh, with the victims and those who are fighting COVID-19. I guess I'm, I'm curious, what is it about the current moment that led you not just to think inward and think about yourself, but to think about how you help others as well so quickly? Yeah, um, I guess me just sitting here knowing that I couldn't really do a lot because of I can't go out and actually physically give people anything, like go out and give food or anything. I was just like, okay... I could just launch a fundraiser and raise funds and give them to these organizations that are helping these people out. And I saw Sam Elliger also do it. I'm like, you know, this is a good idea. You know, he's using his platform, and yeah. I feel like I have a good p- platform as a female student athlete. So I decided to use that, you know, for the good and help these people out that are going through all this. Because we're all going through a tough time right now. It's definitely weird for me because I can't even go to a gym mm-hmm. and shoot you know I have to go outside and shoot and work out on my own use my weights at home but yeah so where is that where pain. where are you right now and 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 what is, what does a workout look like for you at the moment yeah okay so yeah I'm in Baytown that's where I live I'm mm-hmm. here right now I'm home um so I'll wake up and I'll stretch and then our strength coach has has us on a weight plan, and I'll do his weight program, and then I'll do something on my own, and I'll go run a mile or something, something to just stay in shape, stay strong. Yeah. Wow. No, no doubt in my mind, you'll figure out a way to make the best of this and and every opportunity. But uh, Charlie Collier, a pleasure to chat with you. Pleasure to cover you. Looking forward to continuing to do it. This in the next level as well. Yes, sir. Thank you, Howard. <laughs>